I was watching my kids play the other day. They were talking about the future, what they wanted to be when they grew up, and I was, I kind of chuckled at the, the way they had such hope and such optimism about how they were going to get everything that they wanted. You know, we start out in life and we're sort of idealistic about the way things are going to go. But it's not long before a parent, a friend, or somebody says something to us that hurts us, that says, you're just not good enough. So before you know it, we have some baggage. Not a lot of baggage, so we try to compensate. But then we get into relationships and we're still carrying baggage and someone says, I don't want to be your friend anymore. I don't love you. I don't care about you. And so we compensate again. And we carry that baggage into relationship after relationship. Trying to compensate in life for what we refuse to let go of and carry around. We get into marriage. And a spouse looks at us and says, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be married anymore. I want a divorce. So we have more baggage. And life becomes heavy. And things get harder to carry. But we still refuse to let go of it. That baggage can lead to more baggage of addiction, of depression. Over the next few weeks, we're going through a series called Baggage. And you have a choice to make. You can either carry this around and go from relationship to relationship, from thrill to thrill, all the way through life while carrying something heavy. Or you can do what God wants, and that's let it all go and allow Him to have your baggage. A few years ago, some of my buddies who are several years younger than me asked me to go on this camping trip, not just any camping trip, but it was a primitive camping trip. And my idea of primitive camping is Motel 6. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, I, it took me a while to figure out what primitive camping was until the first night when I said, where's the bathroom? And then, you know, I figured it out. Oh, that's what you mean by primitive. I got it. So they asked me to go on this trip, and it's, it's a seven-mile hike over in the mountains of North Carolina. And we start off, and we're walking down the first uh, night. It's dark. It had been raining. It was cold. And they had put 60 pounds of stuff on my back because two nights and three days, you got to carry a lot of stuff. And so I had a backpack, much like this one, much larger, and it had 60 pounds of stuff in it. And I can remember with that thing on my back walking down that hill thinking, I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. I'm never going to see my family again. And we're so far out in the middle of nowhere. A guy my age has a heart attack. You know, how are they going to get to me? I remember thinking, I am not built or made to carry 60 pounds over seven miles of rugged terrain. You were not built to carry baggage through life. Many of you walked in here today carrying baggage you were never built to carry. Carrying things, carrying burdens that you were never meant to carry. Maybe a relationship ended 
and you got hurt. Maybe you're dealing with an addiction over and over and over again, and you try to give it up, and you say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm finished with it. I'm finally putting it behind me. But you go back, and you pick it up over and over again, and you continually come back to it. Maybe something in your childhood happened to you that is terrible. Maybe you went through something that, that you just don't even want to think about or talk about, but you continue to play the tapes over and over and over again in your mind. Maybe a relationship ended and you just play those tapes of what they said, what you said. We've all got baggage. We've all been mistreated. We've all had bad things happen to us. But the focus of this message, this series, is that we don't have to carry it around. We can get rid of it. We can release it and give it to God. Jesus Christ said, if your life is burdened, if you are down, if you're having difficulties, if you feel like the weight of the world is on your shoulders, Jesus said, come to me and I'll give you rest. Because what I ask you to carry is light. What I ask you to carry is easy. Starting today, we're in a three-part series called Baggage. This week, I'm going to talk about baggage check, checking our baggage, checking it and not going back and picking it up, but checking our baggage with God and being finished with it, leaving it with Him, allowing Him to have it. Next week, I'm going to talk about the baggage of addiction, and talk about some ways to overcome addiction and release that baggage. And then the last week I'm going to be talking about overcoming depression. In the Bible, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that entangles us and run the race with perseverance. I've never seen an athlete like a cyclist riding the Tour de France or a runner that did it with a backpack on. When they're wanting speed, when they're wanting endurance, they don't wear a backpack. And this scripture says, throw off the things that hold you back. Throw off the things that hold you down so you can live the life that you were created to live. The question I have for you today is, what is slowing you down in life? What is in your backpack? What are you wearing on your shoulders that doesn't need to be there What is it that's slowing the intimacy in your marriage? What is it that's keeping you from allowing relationships to get deeper in your life? What is it that's just keeping you from opening up and saying, Okay, God, use me in whatever way you can. You might be at church today for the the very first time, just checking out church. You might have decided today, Hey, I'm going to come back to church and give it another try. Or... You might be a seasoned follower of God, but no matter where you are in that, in that walk, no matter where you are in that journey, you've had to deal with baggage because life has a way of loading us down with it. And then we have a choice. Since we all have things happen to us that cause us to have baggage, we have a choice. Are we going to carry it around or are we going to release it? 
Are we going to carry it around into every relationship, every job, every part of our lives and allow it to affect that? Or are we going to release the baggage and say, God, this is yours. I'm not carrying it around anymore. Yes, it was part of my life. Yes, it happened. Yes, it helped bring me to where I am today, but I'm going to release it. I'm going to stop playing the tapes over and over in my mind. I'm going to stop using it to keep people at arm's length. I'm going to release it. Trusting God with our baggage means giving him the burdens that we were not built to bear. Giving him the burdens we were not intended to carry. In Psalm 109, it says this, For I am poor and needy, and my heart is wounded within me. Help me, O Lord my God. Save me in accordance with your love. For he, the Lord, stands at the right hand of the needy one to save his life from those who condemn him. The first thing we need to do if we're going to release the baggage, if we're going to give our baggage to God, is that we need to acknowledge the baggage. I need to acknowledge my baggage. This is hard because we've, we've all been burned. We've all had people hurt us. We've all had people betray us. We've all had people do us wrong. So it's hard sometimes to acknowledge the baggage that exists in our life. But when we have emotional baggage from relationships, we kind of tend to hold people at arm's length and say, look, I'm not going to allow anybody past right here. This is as close as I'm going to allow anybody to get to me. Because if I do, what if I get criticized? If I allow someone into this part of my life, what if they hurt me? What if they betray me? What if they leave me? What if they talk about me? What if they don't like me? We need to start by acknowledging our baggage. Winston Churchill said the only way to avoid criticism is to say nothing, do nothing, and be nothing. Acknowledging and speaking about our baggage, naming it, saying what it is, is the first step to getting it behind us. In the Old Testament, there's a guy by the name of Job. Job had a very difficult time in his life. He lost everything he had. He lost all of his possessions, lost his house, lost everything that he owned. His children even died. His health went downhill, and he was a mess. And listen what he said in Job 7, verse 11. Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I have to acknowledge my baggage. If I'm ever going to be able to release it, I've got to acknowledge that I even have it. Some of my baggage, personally, has to do with my childhood. has to do with my parents divorcing when I was 10 years old. And I can remember at 10 years old, my, my dad, he just made the decision he's just going to take off and leave the family. And that affected me in a big way at 10 years old. So much that when, my, when our oldest daughter turned 10, I remember thinking, she's now the age I was when my parents divorced. But that became baggage that was in my life. It affected my view of relationships. It affected the, the way I allowed people or didn't allow people into my life. And only when I acknowledged it as an adult was I able to deal with it and get my life in order spiritually and get my life in order relationally. And only 
in my early 20s when I was willing to say, okay, now I'm going to allow, I'm going to take a risk here and I'm going to allow someone in. I'm going to acknowledge that I've got issues. I'm going to acknowledge some bad stuff has happened to me. I'm going to allow somebody in and just take, take this risk. And maybe they'll love me. Maybe they won't. Maybe they'll leave me. Maybe they won't. And I did. Finally, I just let the wall come down and I allowed somebody to get close to me in my life. And I married her too. And it worked. That was the first time in my life it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let this down. I'm, I'm just going to see what happens. But if I had never acknowledged my baggage and let that go and put it behind me, I would never have enjoyed love the way God meant for it to be enjoyed. I would never in, enjoyed a relationship the way God meant for it to be. We have to acknowledge our baggage. Some of you deal with relational baggage, emotional baggage, spiritual baggage. You know, I read the other day that one in four young girls deal with abuse. And some of you know that pain and know what that's like. Some of you are dealing with addictions. And you just keep going back and and you keep stacking more and more baggage. And it just seems to mount up. But there is a way to leave it behind. There's a way to stop carrying it. And that is giving it to God. Releasing our baggage to Him. Today I want to share with you three quick prayers that will help us release our baggage. If you'll pray these prayers, if you'll say these things, if you'll, if you'll write these down and think about them and pray about them, it will help you release your baggage. The first one is this. God, help me renew my mind with truth. Help me renew my mind. If you've been hurt, the tendency is to play those tapes over and over and over again of all the conversations, of all the things that happened, of all the things that somebody said to you or you said to them, and just replay those tapes over and over. In Romans 12, verse 2, it says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change always starts first in our minds. It always begins in here and we think, I'm going to stop doing this. God, renew my mind. Help me stop playing those tapes over and over and over again. Help me to stop hanging on to the lies. Help me to stop believing what he or she said about me. Help me get past it. So the question you need to ask yourself is, what wrong mindset do I have? Did somebody tell you you'll never amount to anything? Did somebody tell you you were stupid? Did somebody tell you you're too tall, too short, too bald, too thin, too fat? Did somebody say something like that to you that you just keep running that over and over again thinking, I'm just, I'm too ugly. I could never get this job. I'm too timid. I could never make an impression on this person. What wrong mindset do you have? Ephesians 4 verse 23 says, Be made new in the attitude of your minds. Newness starts. Releasing baggage starts in your mind. And we need to refuse to dwell on it and ask God daily to help us renew it. The second prayer is, God, help restore what was lost. You know, finding lost things is God's specialty. That's what he specializes in. And that's what, as a church, we need to specialize in. When churches don't specialize in finding lost things, they're way outside God's will. 
Because that's what the whole New Testament talks about. That's what the whole Bible talks about is God's quest to rescue that which was lost, to rescue mankind. And we need to pray and say, God, help me restore what was lost in my life. Around my house, we don't watch television without the remote control. We don't watch a lot of TV, but we don't watch it definitely without a remote because you've got to get up and walk across the room if you want to change the channel. But around my house, if the remote control is lost, it's like, stop, stop what you're doing, stop the homework, stop everything, stop the cooking. We've got to find the remote control <laughs> for the love of everything that's good. Turn the couch over, search in the piano bench, find the remote control. I mean, we're, when it's been lost at my house, it's like an all-out search, and we've got to find it. God seeks to restore with that same intensity and even more anything that's lost in our lives. My wife's great-grandmother made her a quilt one time, and I could just see 70, 80 years ago this sweet old woman painstakingly doing every stitch in this beautiful quilt. And she loved this quilt so much. We used it. I mean, it was one of those grandma quilts. You know what I'm talking about? That when you cover up with it, it's just like, oh, you know, grandma. And it was, it was red and it was gray. And it, we, you know, we would argue over, well, I want the quilt. Let me have the quilt. This is, you know, we did, the whole family would just like, oh, I want the quilt. No, give me the quilt. And and so one day I had a friend coming in for this retreat we were going to, and I go into the hallway closet to pull out his bedding because he didn't bring any. And I had a garbage bag there, and I looked up, and there was the quilts. And I just, the first one I pulled off was great grandma's red and gray, soft, beautiful quilt. Stuck it in there. We go off to this retreat center over in the mountains. And the first mistake was putting it in a trash bag because. By the end of the retreat, everything was all scattered, and, and he just said, what do I do with the bedding? I said, well, just stick it back in that trash bag and sit it outside the door of the cabin. Well, first mistake, because we have never seen the red quilt since. It's gone. I searched. I called. I even considered driving back over there and going through the trash. It's probably in a landfill somewhere, so don't ever put anything valuable in a trash bag because somebody probably picked it up and threw it away. But if I could, I would go find that. I would search for it. I would get it back into my possession. In Luke 15, Jesus tells three stories about how intense God will search for something. He tells the story of a woman who lost one, one of her coins that meant a lot in her life, that represented a lot, not just, like, not just a tenth of her income, but her life. Then he tells the story of a shepherd that lost one sheep and left all of them all the 99 to go find one. Then he tells the story of a son that just went away from his father. And it illustrates how intense that God is and how much he will search to restore that which is lost. Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Psalm 71, verse 20 says, Though you have made me see troubles, many and bitter, you will restore my life again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up. God will restore. And the question you need to ask today is, what needs to be restored in my life? What happened to me that has affected my life? What baggage am I carrying around that I need to say, God, help me restore what's lost? Do you need to restore trust? 
Does intimacy in your marriage need to be restored? Maybe you were a God follower at once and you were sold out for him and you followed Christ and then you just said, you know, this is not for me. God wants to restore that. God wants to restore everything in our lives that we've lost because of the baggage we've carried around. Jeremiah 30 verse 17 says, But I will restore you to health and heal your wounds. Isaiah 43 says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not see it? I'm making a new way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Pray that prayer. God, help me restore what's lost. That's his specialty. The question we should ask is, what does God want to restore in my life? I read this story a few days ago about a lady that advertised in the paper a red Corvette for sale. Brand new, less than 10,000 miles, red Corvette for sale for $50. That's worth like $50,000, but she only wanted fifty. So this guy saw the ad. He, he rushed to her house, called her up, said, I, I want to come see it. He went to see it. Sure enough, it was perfect, everything she described. So he gave her the $50. She signed over the title, and then he asked her the question, ma'am, this car is worth $50,000, and you just sold it for 50 bucks. Do you mind explaining why? And she goes, oh, sure, I don't mind. She said, I got home last week, and there was a letter from my husband that he was going to leave me for another woman. And then he didn't want the kids, he didn't want the house, he didn't want anything except the car, and he asked me to sell it and send him the money. <laughs> the last prayer is, God, help me release my offender. And you might think, release them, you don't have a clue what they did to me. You don't know how they made me feel. Releasing someone, forgiving someone never says, what you did was okay. What releasing someone and forgiving someone says is, I release you from hurting me anymore. Forgiveness is more for you than it is for the other person because you can't see their heart. You don't know what their motives are. Releasing the person who hurt you is for you. And, And sometimes, many times, Forgiveness means the relationship is severed and it ends and you're not even around that person anymore. They may not even know that you have forgiven them. They may not even know that you've released them. But when we refuse to forgive, when we refuse to release, that person and what they did to us still has power over us. This is from 30-something female anonymous note that reads when I was 11 it started he would ask me to come into my brother's room while my brother was on the phone or playing video games so I would go in there with a 17 year old boy who abused me repeatedly for two years he took so much away from me I wanted to tell but I couldn't I wanted to cry out but I couldn't so I just carried it with me and told no one I had no friends no boyfriends when I was a teenager, and, and nobody could tell my secret. Nobody knew what, was carrying because what I was carrying because I said nothing. I considered suicide, but something kept me from it. I went to counseling. It didn't help. I hated men. I was sickened by the thought of even being around one. 
Over and over, I ran the scenes in my mind of what he did to me. It consumed me. Then one day it hit me. I have to put this behind me. Part of that would be forgiving my offender, releasing the person that had done something terrible to me. I'd already accepted Christ and his forgiveness, but I'd never given that same forgiveness to my offender. I knew I had to, but he never asked. He never said he was sorry, so why should I forgive him? But still I did. I forgave him and I released him. Not for his sake, but for mine. Because now I'm free. My shame, my guilt, even my confusion are all gone or they're getting better. He's free. And what I found is forgiving my offender is more for me than it is for him. People may say, but what he did to you was so horrible. How could you forgive that? Forgiveness does not make what he did any less horrible, but it releases the act from my mind and my heart, and it no longer rules my life. Besides, what if God had the same attitude that something was so horrible that forgiveness could not be found? Then no one could have forgiveness. Forgiving my offender was the way to go. My life is better, and I'm free. By the way, I've never spoken to him, nor do I even want to. The forgiveness took place in my heart, my life has changed, and that is all that matters. Colossians 3, verse 13 says, Bear with one another and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. There may be someone in your life that has hurt you beyond anything you can even put into words. But if you're ever going to let go of the baggage, you have to release your offender. You have to give up the desire to retaliate. Consequences need to come from God, not from us. Forgiveness is something that you just give out to somebody else. They may not, they don't even have to know it, but it's a way of releasing someone who has hurt you. Trust takes years and years and years to rebuild, but forgiveness can come in a second. And you can give that to your offender. So I made my camping trip. I made it. I carried my 60-pound backpack around a seven-mile, hilly, cold, wet, primitive campsite terrain. And for three days, for three days, I carried that 60 pounds around. And I remember walking up the hill going back to this van we were all in, and, and I was walking up the hill, and my legs were hurting, my back was hurting, and I was thinking, I'm not going to make it. I'm just going to die right here. And finally, we made the van. We were all back, and I let that backpack down, and all of a sudden, it was like, oh, yeah, now I feel better. And I told these young guys, hey, I could go again without the backpack. I, I, could, do it, I could do that seven miles again. That hike would have been so much easier, probably finished in a day without the 60 pounds of baggage on my back. What are you not getting to do in your life? What's not happening in relationships because you've still got that weight on you? What's not going on spiritually for you? What's not going on in your marriage? What's not going on with your kids because you've got that weight on you that you refuse to let go of? Can you imagine just letting that go and then all of a sudden, you probably are going to feel like you can fly. Letting go of our baggage is not 
a fast, easy process. But if we pray, God, renew my mind. God, restore what was lost. God, help me to release my offender. We're taking the first step in saying, I'm going to leave this baggage behind and I'm going to leave it with God. 